No Dunks is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Of course you did! GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. And let me tell you, Lee, this thing is so easy. I went on last night to see who's coming to Atlanta. I was thrilled to see that Mr. Wives will be playing at the Terminal West tomorrow. That's right, Mr. Wives. Four men playing the instrument and a woman lead singer. That's why they're called Mr. Wives. What a great name. What a great deal. Prices went down from last night to this morning. So check again as the date approaches and head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. The old Brad Miller and The Rock. Very good. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dumps podcast on the Athletic Network. I'm Jay Skeets here in Toronto. With the man making the magic happen, JD. How's it going, eh? There he is, eh? Joining us live down in our ETL studio, we got the homie, Tass Mellis. Hey, guys. What's up, Tass? We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey, hey, hey yo. yo. And last, certainly not least, the international man of mystery taking it to the Max Lee Ellis. Hey, friends. Hey, hey man. Hey, cool. <laughs> Happy Wednesday to everybody. few quick reminders on this hump day. Follow us on social media, both Twitter and Instagram, at No Dunks Inc., you know we're on Facebook. Everybody knows that at facebook.com slash nodunksinc. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. And email us your NBA questions and comments to nodunksattheathletic.com. We're going to be stepping on the beach a little later today, gentlemen. So get those questions in throughout the week so you can get into that mailbag-only podcast. But we um, we start today's show by looking back at some games, some fun ones on in the association. And one of them you guys were at, a few of you there in Atlanta, I believe Tass and Lee down at the Fortress, catching the return of Trey Young and the Hawks outlasting the Spurs. Kaka, 108, 100. Uh, and this was a weird day for the Hawks with the whole John Collins things, and we we will maybe get into that. But uh, how was the game, gentlemen? How was that Trey Young explosion in the second half? Trey Young is a magician. He he is uh, clearly he was the best player on the floor, and that in includes the San Antonio Spurs with DeMar DeRozan, a four-time All-Star, and LaMarcus Aldridge, a seven-time All-Star. He won them this game. He was just the most talented guy on the floor, and it's it's really fun to watch him. And I don't think this is really going to fade. He's, he's, he's just got all these eyes on him, all, all this attention on him, and we talked about if the teams start doubling him, what the heck are the Hawks going to do? Well, against the Spurs, he just said, I'm going to find a way to score. So... Jabari Parker is now taking the role of John Collins in for this one game anyways. He's sort of his pick and Trey Young's pick and roll partner. Mm-hmm. They go and double him towards the end of the game, pass it to Jabari Parker, who passes off, gets it back to Trey Young. They try and double him again, and Trey Young finds a way to get to the hole because they're guarding him so far from the rim, and he's just this little squirmy dude who has got so much confidence from year one to year two. He shot one from the tunnel. He made LaMarcus go on skates that for that one play. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen the, the replay of that, as he puts him on skates, he calls for an ISO, or he calls for Wait, someone to get away. Yeah, he, he waves off. I'm doing, I'm, it's an ISO, man. It's, this is all me. And he's got this snarl on his face. Like, put that snarl into my veins right now. He is just, 
he's just so confident right now. And it's odd that, yes, John Collins, their number two player, is out for another 24 games. Uh, and do they still have hopes for the playoffs? I think they still have a they got to stay in within shouting distance of the eighth seed while John Collins is out. It's going to be really, really hard, but this is the Eastern Conference. I think they can rally around this because they have such an incredible player in Trey Young. And uh, it doesn't really matter in the long term if they make the postseason, but Trey Young with that Jabari Parker, that number two pick who's trying to rehabilitate his image. Uh, we talk about Brandon Ingram and D'Angelo Russell rehabilitating their, pick, uh, their, their image at the number two spot. They got to hope, and that's because Trey Young is – Amazing, and he's worth the price of admission. That the price of admission that I didn't pay to get into the arena last night. <laughs> he energizes that arena for sure. There's no doubt about it. When when Trey Young's on the court, everyone's watching because they're excited to see what he's going to do. Whether it's going to be one of those bombs from the logo, or he's going to slice inside and find someone else. But he started off this game actually really cold. He couldn't hit a shot, but he was still getting a lot of assists, getting his teammates involved. And, and you talk about Jabari Parker coming into lineup. This is a sort of blessing in disguise, seeing. John Collins out for this period because this is going to give Jabari a real chance to show that he can score. We know he's been able to score throughout his career. It's the defensive end where he struggles, but he's understanding, I think, already with Trey Young. All he's got to do is be active and go to the rim, and Trey will find him because he had nine field goals last night. At least five or six of those were just dunks because he was just running to the right spot and Trey was finding him. So this is a great opportunity for Jabari. And I think, you know, the, the fact that the Hawks suffered such a blow yesterday morning with John Collins being out, it was a great response by the team that they didn't sort of get too down and didn't start feeling sorry for themselves. They went out there against one of the most well-organized organizations we've ever seen in the San Antonio Spurs, who looked like they were they'd basically put the foot down in the third quarter there. And then the Hawks came storming back behind their star player. And uh, it, it was really great to see. But, yeah, Trey Young, I mean, he, he's a special guy. He really is. Like, I, I think he's now more than just a flash-in-the-pan guy. I think you're, you're actually seeing that there is some, you know, he can sustain what he's doing right now. Even though some of those shots, you know, they're not great. They're not great when he's, like, eight feet behind the three-point line. But he believes he can make them, and he's going to keep on uh, taking them. And, you know, he finished five for ten last night. That's fine. You'll take 50%. Anytime yeah. for a guy they from three-point range. They have to guard him yeah. in those spots, and they were. They're trying to chase him down to get the ball out of his hands yeah. and, but way also, beyond the three-point But also line. only three turnovers, too. Uh, it, it sort of feels like he takes a few more risks with the ball, yeah. but he doesn't. It, you know, it, it doesn't. He doesn't have too many of those sloppy turnovers or just wild passes. It just feels sometimes that he's gotten himself sort of stuck in a corner or a double team's come to, whatever, to, to get him. But he gets out of it. So uh, very, very exciting game, very fun game, and, uh, and great for the, for, the, uh, for the Hawks to get away with the win. Yeah, the craft is what's really impressive, I think, is that in year two, you can tell that he has the Spurs guessing, and the Spurs are a team with an all-defensive guard in DeJounte Murray. They've got guys who know how to play defense. It's like the Spurs would crowd on Trey Young, and then he would drop off an incredible pass. He had that one to Bruno Fernando underneath for the pump fake and dunk. That was really sick. And then when they would play him to pass, it was floater game. His floater mm-hmm. is unstoppable. So he just knows the counters for everything right now, which is scary for the rest of the league if you're talking about a guy that's only in year two, figuring out how to play point guard in the NBA. Uh, impressive to come back from an ankle injury just like that and look like you didn't miss any time. What was the mood sort of surrounding the team with the John Collins um, suspension there? You know, going to be missing 25 games without pay for the violation of the anti-drug program uh, because of the growth hormone. What would, like, were you guys around the team there heading before the game started and or maybe after the, te- after the win? Like, what was the vibe there? Definitely bummed out yeah. um, because, uh, you know, John is uh, one of the cornerstones for the franchise. And I feel he genuinely did this uh, unintentionally, of course. No one, no one thinks he did it on purpose. And so he's feeling pretty guilty and fe- feeling pretty, pretty bad 
for himself that he's let his team and the franchise down. But I think he is going to appeal, although I don't think historically there's a lot of success appealing these drug bans. I think uh, he's probably going to miss the 25 games. But I think the organisation is just more trying to show support to him and say, hey, listen, John, you know, you made a mistake. Um, we'll get through this. This is a learning moment. And, and uh, you know, it's happening early in the season where it's going to cost him a huge chunk of the season. But overall, this could be a learning experience and he could come back better for it. But uh, I think everyone just sort of felt like, you know... Well, I hope he learns from it. I hope he learns to not take the same thing that he is... You're saying you believe him that he took something that he didn't know he had this growth hormone in. Really? I mean, do you believe guys when they say that their Twitter got hacked? Well, yeah, I mean... It's happening a heck of a lot more these days. We've had three in the last month or so. It just feels like it's happening a ton. The crackdown. These guys... guys, It happened to Wilson Chandler... And now John Collins and recently DeAndre Ayton, who was trying to get rid of it, it sure seems like, because he was taking a diuretic. He wasn't mm-hmm. caught for, the, for the, the hormone or the steroid or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it sure feels like these guys know what they're doing. And the Hawks are adamant that it wasn't somebody within the organization. It wasn't the trainer giving him a supplement, but most likely who he's training with, uh, personally on an individual uh, level. But they have to know what's going into their body. There's, there's, I, I mean, Lee, Al, uh, Lee Ellis knows sure. what he's, he's what you're putting into your body every day. You know, yeah, these guys, this is what they do. This is, but you are, some, tr- he, they are trusting people to also give them things to take. And they're, you know, yeah. they're putting their trust in those guys that they're, you know, for, that they're paying whatever to help train them or whatever. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if John Collins is actually looking at the bottle or whatever he's taking and like, Oh, let me read the, you know, what's in this. I, it's the trust of these other guys. That, that's a hundred percent true. Uh, there, there's a relationship that he has with somebody uh, that's giving him a supplement that had HGH in it, which apparently leaves your system within eight days. So it's something that he took recently. Uh, and uh, Chris Kirshner has a great write up on on the Athletic that these guys are going to rally around it no matter what. It seems like the organization can overcome it. And yes, it was a bummer being around it. It's also uh, you know being around that organization and being around that arena is always a, sort of a bummer at, at times because it's a quiet arena. So I don't think you could really tell. Not, 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 I wouldn't say it's a bummer. It's quiet in that arena uh, a lot of the time, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, Trey Young is bringing a buzz to this city. And that place was really, really loud in the fourth quarter. And it stinks. Uh, but I, I think there's, it, it is a bit of a brotherhood orga- within that organization. And uh, they should overcome it. Um, but this is happening throughout the league. It's not. It, this isn't a one-time thing, and it's happening more and more and more. And they're cracking down on it. And yeah, what do you? you why want? do you? Why do you think suddenly we've had three in the last month and a half? I mean, we only had like something like three in the four years prior, from like 2014 to 18 with PEDs. There was something like three over that span, and now we've had, like you said, Chandler and now DeAndre Eaton and John Collins. These are also good players, like those last two especially. I mean, young, talented players, uh, a number one draft pick. Uh, obviously, Collins, everyone expecting big things from him. Is it just because the, you know, the testing that the NBA is doing has improved, or what do you think it is? Or just guys have always been doing it, and just as now they're getting caught? I just, like, why this, is it a, I think Dan Devine wrote, he's like, is this a little blip on the radar here? This is just a sort of a weird little circumstance where three guys got caught? Or is this sort of an alarm bell um, starting to ring with PEDs in the NBA? I mean, it's impossible that there are not PEDs in the NBA. Derek yeah. Rose a few years ago said, 
on a scale of one to ten, how many guys are using PEDs? He said seven, then immediately walked it back. And this is Derek Rose, a guy who would basically <laughs> never say anything to the press uh, in his heyday. Uh, back when baseball was going through all their Balco stuff, all the talk was that the, the drug makers are always ahead of the drug testers. So perhaps the drug testers have finally caught up to the drugs that these guys are taking, and that's why we're seeing crackdowns, which means then that the drug makers will find something new, some, something new you can put in. That being said, the John Collins uh, growth hormone that he was taking, it looks awesome because when, the studies they were doing, they just gave this, uh, this GHRP2, and it makes you just want to eat more and more and more. Mm. They literally, for the studies, they sent guys to a buffet and said, go wild. It increased their appetite by 40%. So I don't know, Skeets, if you're trying to bulk up, you might want to talk to John Collins, see what he's got, if he got any of those pills left over. Yeah, but I mean, I know we're joking about it, but we don't really know the long-term effects of stuff like this either, right? That's a bit of the worry here with these guys putting this stuff into it. Because some people are like, who cares? Some people are like, who cares? If, he, if a guy, like, if it helps with recovery, helps with an appetite, whatever it is, let these guys go nuts. And then some people are like, well, no, now it's not a, um, a fair playing field, first off, uh, and you could be morally object to that. Or, and, this, and the idea of, like, this could have some term, a uh, long-term effect on their health, and we just don't know it yet. Well, the, the write-up uh, in The Athletic, actually, there was a medical expert who was asked about it, and he said it's unlikely that it was for an appetite gain, but more likely than not that it helps you gain muscle mass mm -hmm. and it helps your energy levels. So, I mean, that's just... That's just a huge advantage, period, yeah, if, exactly. if guys can take that. So, yes, yeah. I, I, I don't think you can just say who cares. I, I think 440 guys, if they're all taking it, then, yeah, maybe it's an even level playing field, but it's, it's also, also not because it, you just shouldn't be mm -hmm. having that advantage. But weren't you the biggest baseball fan of your life when everybody was taking steroids and hitting bombs night and after nah, night? Sosa nah. and McGuire going back and forth to see who was going to set the record for homers in a season? Not me. Let them bulk up, baby. Mm. But that, that's a problem across all sports. I mean, because if, if, if someone comes to you and says, hey, listen, you can take this and it will help you recover, you'll be able to get out there quicker. It's, it's hard for players to turn that down if they think they're not going to get caught, especially if they understand when the testing procedures happen mm -hmm. you know if someone says listen the chance of you getting caught you've got to get you've got to have a test within the next eight to ten days or whatever and they know well you know what maybe it's only once every three months or four months it's a risk some of them will take well that's why this could be happening is is yeah the testing may be happening a little bit more uh frequently no yeah frequently or, or just randomly yes randomly is mm. the word yeah rather, rather than a, a test that everybody sort of knew about when it was coming yeah. and that it's just it's just happening whoa uh, you know, a, a week into the season, who the heck knows? And, you know, the Hawks apparently have no idea when John Collins was tested and, and are adamant that, again, that had nothing to do with any of their trainers. It's just, it sucks for this point in time for the Hawks because they, they, are, they are a team that's on the rise. But mm -hmm. again, big picture, it doesn't really matter if they make the postseason this year. Uh, they've got 60 million coming off the books this year and three guys in Chandler Parsons, Alan Crabb, and Evan Turner. 60 million is a huge load of money. And they have set themselves up so well for the future. And uh, but you'd and love to see Trey Young get some playoff reps. I mean, even yeah. if it's a you know a, a sweep or they lo win one game and lo you know lo go lose four one. I mean, yeah, you'd all you're always going to want a Young, especially a point guard, point guard. I think <clears throat> to get some playoff reps. Yep, and it's still not out of the question. Even though it, no, it's, it's not. It's it's not easy. These next twenty four games are not going to be easy. They're going to be relying on Jabari Parker and DeAndre Bembry, who uh, who is a very exciting player. Yeah. Uh, but turns the ball over a bit. But uh, yeah, they've they've 
there's a, there's a drop off after Trey Young, but Trey Young can just win you games on his own. But that you know they they still got to go play the Western Conference a lot. They got a road trip coming up. There's it's not easy. No, for sure. Yeah, even even if uh, John Collins was playing, nothing was going to be really easy for the Hawks by any means. Um, any good stories from the Fortress for either of you two down there? Uh, yes. Well, so the media seats uh, for us down there at Fortress are right behind the Hawks Bros. So that's a good spot because mm-hmm. there's always a lot of energy there. <laughs> good energy. But what, yeah, which what is which is like a like a sixth man section. That's for right. Those yes. out there that don't yes, know, yes, like yes. A, a super hyped uh, section of fans, like crazies. <laughs> yeah, they cheer every basket by the home team and every turnover or foul or mess up by the away team. But what was interesting last night, early on, Trey Lyles was at the free throw line, and the Hawks Bros started chanting, "Kawhi left you." Kawhi left you. And I'm like, Can you clap a little quieter, please? Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, that's, that's an odd thing to chant to Trey Lyles because he never played in San Antonio when Kawhi was there. <laughs> but it worked. He missed three or four free throws. So, you know what? Whatever got, works for you. He yeah. got in his head. He's like, damn, man, I wasn't even here. And he, maybe I did have something to do with that. Uh, what was that other chant I think you were tweeting about, about DeRozan, Tess? Yeah, I, uh, I, I applaud the, the six-man area or the six-man crew for their energy level no doubt about it but uh i think they got to get a little more accurate with their chance yes. they, they chanted at demar Derozan, toronto hates you <laughs> that's wrong that's the opposite <laughs> of what they do they, they love the, they love demar wrong. and yeah. it didn't it didn't work i see i i say in one breath they got to get a better chant but that could hit demar right in the gut <laughs> You know, because he yeah, for sure that he did love Toronto. Uh, so maybe maybe they know more than I do. But uh, they've got a chant for <laughs> they've got a chant like for every player. Everything. I was there yeah. for the Sixers, and obviously Al Horford is now a Sixer. And every time they uh, a player comes off, they've got the thing where they're like, "Oh, you suck!" Yeah, and they would do it for Al Horford, and then literally the Hawks bros would apologize afterwards, they're like, <laughs> "You suck, not you, Al, not you, not really. We just say that." So I don't know. I mean, they got to do something. It's uh, keeping the energy up is the whole thing. That's why it's almost hard to get a read on the volume of the energy when yeah. you're sitting in the press seats because yeah. you've got yeah. the loudest section sitting right in front of you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but uh, they're they're very negative, uh, but apologetic about it. It's a weird combo <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, it, it's a, again, it has been a quiet r- arena. You know, since we've been down here, a lot of the time, you know, majority of the time when they went on that run, uh, when they won 19 games in a row, it was loud and. It, it, it's a late arriving crowd, even in Atlanta. It, the first quarter was it was quiet, but this team they, they are getting behind. I think Trey Young to some degree. It was it's a second half crowd. Yeah. Let, let's let's put it that way. <laughs> well, good win for the Hawks. Shout out to the Hawks Bros. We've sat in the Hawks Bros section before. Had a blast. You're right. They de- they have great energy. There is no doubt. Some of their chance maybe a little questionable. But moving on here, uh, LeBron's third consecutive triple double helped the Lakers overcome a 19 point second half deficit. In the 118-112 victory over the Bulls on Tuesday at the United Center, Trey, Trey, Trey. The Bulls were looking amazing, man. Nobody. And then the Lakers, and not, I mean, LeBron had an amazing game for sure. AD struggled. He got it going a little bit late to help the stat line. But it was the Lakers' bench unit, really, of Quinn Cook, Alex Caruso, Troy Daniels, Kyle Kuzma, and Dwight Howard that really ripped off like that 14-0 run there. Um, to start the fourth quarter and get the Lakers back into the lead after being down so big. Yeah, the bros back home, it was, it was tough. The Lakers were, Lakers were down at the third quarter. That's when uh, the text messages start flying in the WhatsApp thread. Let's go Bulls. Here we go oh, Bulls. I, I, I respond back at 9.55 p.m. <laughs> big bench minutes. 
9.58 p.m. They've completely blown the lead <laughs> with AD and LeBron sitting out. It was unbelievable, honestly. Like, Kuzma, Kyle Kuzma could barely stand up in the first half of the game. The guy was, like, falling down every time he was running. He looked terrible. And then he scores nine straight at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They're going nuts. He still looks completely out of it. He's like falling at the rim, but they're going in now. Uh, for whatever reason, Jim Boylan doesn't call a timeout. He doesn't bring in the starters until it's too late. And the Lakers are on, on their run. They're completely in a flow. And then, and then not only did the Lakers get a win over the Bulls, the comeback, the Bulls cover, so I lose the pick them anyways. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like the it's worst possible scenario of all things. Uh, but, you know, I guess if you're a Lakers fan, you're happy because you've got a team that can already flip the switch mm. two and a half weeks into the season. They played hard for one quarter, and it was almost a blowout win. I think uh, it was after Anthony Davis hit that corner three, and the, the lead was like 14 or something. And there was a shot of Jim Boylan on the side, and he was doing the like, it's okay, it's okay, everyone relax, calm down. It's like, what are you doing, man? You've just, you're, you're literally, you've given up 25 points to two or something in this fourth quarter. You've blown the lead, and you're just like, it's all right, it's all right, we got this, we got this. But uh, yeah, that was funny seeing, you know, because LeBron talked about it after the game too with uh, 3D when, when he was asked about that bench unit, and he was like, hey, they had to perform because they weren't good in the first half for us, and uh, mm-hmm. a great response by them. But yeah, I mean, when, when you're benching, unit is doing that and then Davis and LeBron check in ah man that's That's gotta uh, be demoralizing to give up that (laughs) run I mean those are some solid players in there you know Cook and Crusoe and Kuzma and Dwight I get that and they're playing well right now but yeah that's uh yeah what was Boylan doing I mean he's just he's just trying to do the old Phil Jackson move of like let's just play it out we'll get back don't worry and then post game he says he's accepting responsibility he's like that's on the coach in the fourth quarter okay so what would what would you do I, nothing. I wouldn't do anything different. I'd have those guys out there. They need to learn how to win. What are you talking about? <laughs> are you taking responsibility? Or are you doing the same thing over? Personally, I would have done something different. It clearly wasn't working. I mean, Luke Cornett had two blocks on Anthony Davis on a single play in the first half, but maybe he should have came out eventually. I don't know. It was a. Uh, you could just see the tide starting to turn. I thought in the third quarter, LeBron had picked up his intensity. He was getting deflections left and right on the defensive end, bringing it back down. Uh, and putting pressure on the Bulls. The Lakers weren't able to make a huge third-quarter run, but you could tell that they were more into the game. They were more ready to play. And then when the bench broke it open, the Bulls just couldn't do anything to get back into a flow. They, their offense is doing nothing right now. They can make some jump shots sometimes. Last night they did, but it wasn't enough. When the Lakers turn up their defense, and I know it's against the Bulls here, but like in that second half, especially in the fourth quarter when they were going on the run, it was pretty pretty incredible. Uh, I saw you know people were tweeting like it felt like the Lakers had six guys out there. They were just so so active, and I think because you've got Dwight back there playing the way he is right now, being the rim protector that he is, um, like sort of the old like Dwight. You can afford to be pretty aggressive out there on the perimeter and get some of these deflections. And Caruso had the one where he got the steal and went the other way for the N ones, you know, flexing and everything. That, uh, Dwight is again like he didn't his box score doesn't won't amaze you last night, but he did the little dirty things again and uh, really I thought was instrumental to the win, especially defensively to then pair with Kuzma and Cook um, knocking down threes. Yeah, let's keep talking about Dwight while we can. Yeah. Let's just hope it doesn't <laughs> fade away. Uh, he was awesome and Alex Caruso. Uh, let's keep talking about him as well. He is their their bench instigator for that defense, the one in the five, uh, the, the point guard in the center, the most important defensive spots. Uh, they get the energy going big time, and we'll probably see more of these defensive, or I'm sorry, these bench runs and these bench uh, tides where, where they 
they turn guys over, and that's where they're that's where their best defensive lineups really. And you know they don't they, those two guys don't start the game, um, but they come in and and bust out the energy. And then I don't know if it's the effect of LeBron and Anthony Davis have on. on guys down the line like a Quinn Cook as you mentioned you know finally having a a hot night uh but they feel like a championship team in a way uh and that's probably the LeBron and AD effect and everybody else gains confidence yeah Lakers bench now outscoring opponents by 5.8 points per 100 possessions that's only second in the league to the Mavs uh you know great reserves who are having a lot of success early in the season uh LeBron I said it there his line I mean his third triple double in a row he's averaging right now 26.1 26.1 points per game, 8.3 boards, 11.1 assists, which leads the league, the assists. And I saw Kurt wrote this at PBT. His advanced stat numbers are in line with his MVP seasons right now that he had in Cleveland and Miami. Is LeBron going to win MVP again here? Is that what's in play? I mean, if they keep on winning, then, yeah, he's definitely going to put himself in that, in that conversation because we kind of felt that he's probably missed that opportunity over these last well, couple did you of years. See, yeah, did you see his tweet? Basically uh, retweeting the Lakers, showing his line and how great he is still, and he put like something like washed king. Yeah, uh, well, you know, so, you know that he, he still wants to win that, that award too. He's talked about it. He wants to win more MVPs. He, he feels he should have won them. So it would be a pretty nice thing for him to win it at 35. I think Karl Malone's the oldest MVP mm-hmm. uh, we've had. But, uh, yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, 6-1, and one, that's the thing with the Lakers, obviously, if they, if they win. I think that's the thing. They, the Lakers need to win 55 to 60 games because if LeBron goes through his midseason where he just goes on vacation for a couple of weeks, he probably won't. But right. uh, it won't win it, that is. But if they, if they get up to, you know, that 55-60 win bracket, then it's going to be – he's certainly going to be in contention for it, no doubt. But what about Anthony Davis? He's been talking about Anthony Davis being in the conversation conversation then LeBron mm-hmm. comes in the conversation <laughs> well the conversation is very big we know there's yeah. a lot of people that <laughs> who sit at that table and have the conversation but. uh my my interest with this team right now is Rajon Rondo has, has been out hasn't played a minute this season what happens when he comes back does he just go take his starting spot back I don't know it's gonna yeah, that's gonna know. mess with chemistry yeah I don't think they want LeBron playing the point from the start for sure but Mm-hmm. Closing games, like last night, they just gave it to LeBron and say, "All right, you decide whether or not you're going to score." Or just <laughs> there was that one play. I think you tweeted it, Trey. It was to Anthony Davis in the corner where the Bulls were all just watching LeBron. Uh, it, that one was Quinn Cook, but oh, yeah. Quinn Cook, well, right. I mean, yeah. LeBron was just toying with the Bulls yeah. down the yeah. stretch. It was like that one where he had all five looking at him as he yeah. looked like he was going to shoot a fadeaway in the lane, and then just whips it to Cook for a wide open three in the corner. Quinn Cook, a career high fifty five thousand points last night, <laughs> of course. And then there was the, another one where. LeBron posted up on the right side of the court, just kept dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. And then suddenly Wendell Carter just decided, hey, I'm just going to see what LeBron's doing. Instantly to the corner to Anthony Davis for another three. That was, those two kind of came back to back, and that was the game. Moving on here, a couple more quick sort of little tidbits here about some of the games last night. The Hornets got the 122-120 overtime win versus the Pacers. Uh, I don't know how much you guys saw of this one. Devontae Graham... He was special. He poured in 35 off the bench. That's the most points by a non-starter in Hornets history and the most points by a reserve in the NBA this season. But the game-winning free throws he was awarded in overtime I thought was pretty questionable. I know Pacers fans Pacers fans are upset definitely about the, the, the officiating in this game. Indiana was outshot 42-7 to at the free throw line. That's You don't see that too often in an NBA game. Um, but yeah, you're booing the... The call at the end there on Graham Tass, not, oh, a, not yeah. a fan of that one, yeah? <laughs> no, I don't, <laughs> I don't even think Charlotte Hornets fans would really be a fan of that one. That was a bad call. It was late, too. I mean, that was the problem with it. Like, it was a late call, and everyone was like, come on, man, let them play. Don't let the game get decided by that. But, 
you know, once the call's been made. <laughs> well, it was Devontae <laughs> Graham. Just, he just sort yeah. of just threw himself into yeah, he was trying to draw the yeah. yeah, trying to draw the contact. Yeah. And, and we know that that gets called, you know, in minute 26 of a game. But uh, in overtime like that, it was just it was just a bad late call. And it ended up costing the Pacers the game. Gutsy call from James Borrego, though, to play Bismack Biombo to start the fourth quarter. And it paid... <sighs> Huge dividends. Biz was great in this game, uh, you know, getting the Hornets back into it. He had 15 points, grabbed six boards, helped foul out half the Pacers. Um, he was he was really solid. It was weird to see Biombo contributing here uh, yeah. in, in 2019. But, yeah, Devontae Graham was great. And Pacers had a lot of, like, strong performances offensively from Brogdon and TJ Warren. Um, but, yeah, just making up the difference at the free throw line was going to be a little too much. And uh, that, call was, that call was garbage. I, I just hate that idea of just throwing yourself... Just mm-hmm. chucking your guy at a defender who was moving his feet and had his hands up. Like, just that should just be a play on. Yeah, for me, the only good part about that was being reminded that Jakar Sampson is still in the league because <laughs> I love the name. Uh, and uh, the last time I loved Jakar Sampson was uh, back when I was wearing Jakar Noir Cologne mm. uh, when I was watching 90s baseball. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was more of a jupe man myself. <laughs> So I jupe, yeah, yeah. Jakar, uh, yeah, he's found a place in this league. That's great. Uh, Devontae Graham, the Hornets' best point guard, right? Even though Terry Rozier is on that roster, uh, that dude is great. Uh, and he's in his second year. Terry Rozier signed a three-year contract. I wonder how do they play together, I guess. Um, but uh, that guy can score, man. Yeah, no, he's he's pretty special. He had Michael Jordan standing up a few times, doing a little oh, yeah. little pumps to the arm. Yeah, he was giving, I saw Did Jordan we... after the game when they were walking off. He was giving butt slaps to everybody. He was into it. <laughs> it's, it's that's a funny thing with Jordan. Like we don't see him for like twenty games, then all of a sudden he's just so into a game, just a random Tuesday night game. It's incredible <laughs> to watch. And you know he had this shirt. Can't turn it off, Lee. <laughs> that competitive the, juices when they're flowing. This the, the thing was this game actually had quite a few really good highlights. Bridges had a nice dunk there. PJ Washington had. Had a nice yep. dunk. Uh, it was good, and we had those uh, the Pacers uniforms. What, what do you guys think of those ones? The sort of the kind of the old FloJo ones. Yeah, uh, yeah an I, updated version. Yeah, yeah cool. I, I like them. Yeah, I thought they looked pretty cool. Uh, I got yeah. no problem with that. I watched a massive chunk of this game. I think a, a big part of it is when it's like the first game of the night. Like it starts, and then you're like, then you sort of get invested into it a little bit, and then you're like, then it was close, and I was back watching all of that. It was, it was entertaining. The Hornets are four and three. <laughs> which is and uh, they're an underrated watch. I think they put on a good show. Uh, they're playing pretty fast. They got a lot of guys who want to shoot threes. Uh, I've watched more Hornets games than this year already than I thought I would yeah. for the entire season. Shout out Devonte Graham. Uh, all right, one more game here from last night. We got to get to Gordon Hayward busting out for uh, career high, tying a career high, thirty nine points. He shot seventeen to twenty from the floor, added eight assists, um, seven boards. Gave him the woe boy uh, as the Celtics held off the Cavs one nineteen one thirteen. Is this Boston Hayward looking a little bit more like Utah Hayward? What's going on here? It's uh, it's too small a sample size for me. He was 16 to 16 from two-point land. Uh, uh, shout out to Zach Harper who gave me the stat. Last time someone did that was Wilt Chamberlain, 16 <laughs> to 16. That's a long time ago. You get these little flashes of Gordon Hayward, so I'm not ready to, to push all my chips in on Gordon no. quite yet. Uh, but, he's playing uh, 34 minutes a game, scoring 20-plus, um, shooting the ball incredibly well. His true shooting percentage is through the roof. He's hitting threes. Like he's crazy. looking athletic. Yeah. He's looking athletic. It's just some, He comes around the pick and roll, and the defender isn't necessarily worried about Gordon Hayward. And maybe these performances will make them worried, but he's just he's there, 
and they just don't care because Gordon Hayward's just he's not he's not that Gordon Hayward level. They're they're just like they're worried about defensive assignments. But you know, when a great player turns that corner, everybody starts to worry. And, and Gordon Hayward isn't quite at that that Utah level yet. Who the heck knows? Uh, maybe maybe it's you know the second year back from an injury it changes things, but not yet for me. I guess. Hold on, this would be his third year back. Well, from the injury. well, no, second year back. Yeah. From yeah. Okay, that's third right. year. It was last year. Was his first year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Things blend together. I mean, the Celtics themselves. We we haven't really talked about them. They're five and one. I know. They, lo- like, mm-hmm. they lost that game opening night to Philadelphia, and since then they've. they've I mean, they have they've beaten the Knicks twice and the Cavs, of course. But still, I mean, this was the team that we thought were going to take a big step back last season. And you talk about going, hey, well, I mean, Kemba Walker's averaging twenty six a game, and Tatum's averaging 21 yeah. a game they've got uh, a lot of guys out there scoring so it's sort of yeah it does feel like the Celtics have just not really you know had a real challenge yet so um, uh, you know if they go on a bit of a tougher schedule we'll see how they they perform but they certainly look a little looser this team than they did last season I feel they, they, they look like they're actually having a little bit more fun than than last season's team that uh, you know that won 49 games they still were a decent team. no they were a good team but I just don't think they were um, as joyful with each other as they oh gee uh, I wonder why <laughs> yeah I know I know I mean but it's it's a big difference Al Horford's gone that's exactly why <laughs> <laughs> big Al yeah too calm yeah great game for Hayward uh, I liked what I saw he's got he's he's got that weird like slow explosion. I don't know and better I don't know how else to put it. Um it's actually this it's a bit of a stretch, don't get me wrong, but he when he drives and he can and he's a strong strong dude, he he does have a vibe of LeBron to him like on those drives where he just it's sort of slow big steps and it's all in, under control and he just bumps a guy a little bit and the guy sort of goes flying cuz again he's a he's a big dude. Um, and then just, you know, kisses it off the glass. And then he had a couple of those when he would stop going all the way to the rim, sort of a little stop right around the free throw line, and either sort of turn around and pivot. Again, similar to LeBron at times where he does that little fade away Ooh. and knock it down. You got to come home, Skeets. You no, got to come home. <laughs> I'm telling you, You're man. You're comparing him to, to the LeBronathan? I'm saying there are specific parts of his game that do scream like that sort of super in control, super strong. Um, LeBron like plays there. Yeah, just that part and- of his game for sure. And back in Utah, he was one of the best chase-down block artists in the game. So maybe that's his path, is to become a 35-year-old LeBron at a younger age. <laughs> yeah. But you're exactly right. He definitely pulls the move. Uh, like, you know, you see, like, a car chase where everybody's going, 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 going. Then somebody slams on the brakes so that somebody yes. flies on by. The strength there and the body control, no doubt, is getting closer to the Utah yeah. era where he would just kind of be able to get into the lane, stop, pop up, hit a little short jumper while... The people just drift away. Yeah, but you're right, Lee. Like you said, I think it is like who they're playing. And this look, Hayward's doing this against like Jetty Osman. Okay, he was cooking him. Then Larry Nance, he's like way too slow, and he was literally walking around him. So it's like the Cavs stink on defense. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. the Lakers, they started their season with the loss to the Clippers, and then you know they've ripped off six straight. And like you said, the Celtics, they started with a loss to Philadelphia, who everybody considers to be a, a title contender, and then they've they've won five straight. But we talked a heck of a lot more about the Lakers than. We have against of the Celtics, mm-hmm. but again, part of that is probably who they're playing right now. But good start for them. All right, we got some news, guys. Kawhi Leonard, he's not going to play against Milwaukee tonight for rest slash load management reasons. He is likely though going to play in the second of the Clippers back to back set against Portland on Thursday night. Um, Kawhi has already sat one game <laughs> this year. He's obviously putting up huge numbers. He's averaging thirty seven and six in thirty minutes a game, um, but. Jovan Buya tweeted on Tuesday, Doc said that most teams try to rest their players during games, but the Clippers are experimenting with resting guys during practice, which could instead save them for games. The Clippers rested Kawhi for almost half of training camp for this reason. So 
they're, they're trying this rest thing with practice, but at the same time, no Kawhi here. In, in a marquee game, Bucks versus Clippers on, on ESPN, he's going to get the rest. Is anyone, is anyone shocked by this at all, or just Clippers, you know, according to plan here with Kawhi, and this is how you do it? What's interesting to me, you mentioned it's a nationally televised game, second one of the season thus far. Wasn't that the whole reason for fining teams for sitting guys in nationally televised games? Mm-hmm. But because the Clippers say it, it has to do with an injury and it's not quote unquote rest, it has to do with an injury and illness, they get away with it. it, it to me, it just says that this is just an objective rule. Um, or a subjective rule, I should say. Whenever you deem it to be load <laughs> management, whenever we want to find a guy, if it's the if it's the Spurs and they're coming out and yelling, "Hey, we're sitting guys because we want to sit guys," we'll find you. But the Clippers seem to get away with it. Well, hold on, but put it on the NBA. I mean, why schedule a back to back? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why schedule an NBA back to back? Both one game on ESPN and then tomorrow night's on TNT. Those are marquee games. Mm. Like they were, yeah. they were sort of asking for this when they made this schedule with the Clippers. I guess well, so so we can't have M- we basically you're saying they can't be back to backs in the NBA is is th- that's that's what has to happen. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Let's get rid of them. That, that's why Kawhi Leonard has sat as you said the second back to back here, um, yeah. second part this of back to back. They have 13 back to back, so yeah. he's going to set 13 games but, this season. Well, he set so. 22 didn't he last season in uh, in Toronto? Yeah. But well, look, 14, the, yeah, yeah, 14 plus eight, 14 because of rest, eight because of injury. Yeah. Apparently. Well, the thing is though, this is this is going to be their eighth game of the season, and he's going to sit out two already. He sat out last. Uh, Wednesday against the Jazz, against Utah. Yeah. Yeah. on ESPN, and, then, and so and so. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if it's on ESPN. Anyway, the thing is, in the two games he came back, he had 38 and 30 points. So if if he's got an injury, he's uh, he's playing pretty well through it. Yeah, uh, he's got right. no injury. He's resting. <laughs> it's rest. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, like two games into the first eight, he has to sit out. Like, all right, I, I guess. I mean, it worked last season, so he, he's he, he can fall back on that. But uh, it's a bit, you know. Come on, man, play. <laughs> Come on. So they have I mean, 13 t- back-to-backs. I guess yeah. that he's going to sit 13 games. I think it's well, yeah. fair to assume that. To see, you know, we talked last season about it. If they start losing those games, they're 0-1 so far. If they lose tonight, they'll obviously be 0-2. Right. If, he, you know, if, he, if they keep losing when he sits out, does that change it? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. No, probably not. I don't not. think so. Not. And they still don't have Paul George. Paul George would play the games that Kawhi doesn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it'll be perfect. They'll each rest one game of the back-to-back. Why not? (laughs) That's right. Right? They can slot into each other's positions. It'll be pretty simple once it happens. uh, I don't know. There doesn't seem to be a solution to stopping players from load managing except for getting rid of back-to-backs and if that's the case you're getting rid of 13 games for the clippers that takes you down to 69 nice maybe 70 is the right number for every single nba team yeah reduce it because if they keep it at 82 we're playing into july right or Mm -hmm. it just makes the season a heck of a lot longer um i told you guys off the top of the show we're gonna have a step in on the beach a beach step in mailbag only podcast dropping a little bit later today but i wanted to get in uh, one question a little tease if you will to get us all in the mood maybe we'll kick off our shoes here we'll keep our socks on while we walk on the beach uh, but we'll eventually take our socks off when we get to the beach stepping podcast but this question from jack fletcher it was a good one he was listening to yesterday's show he said hey guys the jose calderon discussion yesterday triggered a thought it occurred to me that i can't imagine the nuggets or Knicks, let alone the thunder or rockets deciding to retire carmelo anthony's jersey or number a quick scan showed it would be pretty rare for someone that's considered a likely Hall of Fame player. One, do you think either time either team retires his jersey? And two, if not, will that make him the best player who isn't recognized by any former team? Appreciate you all making my commute home a bit easier each day again. That's from Jack. 
Uh, we were talking about the idea, will the Raptors ever retire Jose Calderon's jersey? And we were like, probably not, no. But Jack wants to know, what about Carmelo? Like, with the Nuggets or Knicks, do you think Jack is right? Does he got something there? Or, or is he completely wrong and one of those teams will, if not both? I don't think either team will. Wow, oh, that's, really? Really? that's sort of the weird. Will. The Knicks will retire, Mello? Yeah. You don't have to win anything to get your number retired by the Knicks. Patrick Ewing has his number hanging yeah, up there. Yeah, oh. but he played, what, 18 seasons or something. Yeah, there, he's a no-doubt a legend. Yeah. I'm just saying there is precedent. You don't have to be the greatest player in the entire yeah. league. Mello is seventh in points all-time for the Knicks. He's third in points per game, sixth in the rebounds. He played 400 games as a Nick. He's been the best Nick of the past two decades. I think he will get his number retired. Yeah. I think uh, I was really surprised looking back at it, his resume that he played there for six and a half years. It didn't feel yeah. like it was that long for, I don't know, from my perspective. just felt like he was more longer with the Nuggets than he was by one season. One of these teams is going to attach themselves to a Hall of Fame player. I, I think somebody yeah. would put. And, I, I, you know, I, I'm about to look at who the Nuggets have retired and what the precedent is there. But I, I could see the Nuggets definitely jumping on the bandwagon as well. Why the heck not? Yeah. So Lisa's no. They want a little bit more there. He went to a conference finals. Yeah, but that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, he put up numbers, no doubt, in both. He's a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It just sort of feels like he didn't really achieve much team success at at either city. Yeah, he's on the Knicks. That's that's the problem. (laughs) I know. I'm just looking at some of the guys that the Knicks have retired as well, and I'm like, you know, Walt Frazier, Earl Monroe. Dick Maguire. Uh, <laughs> a lot of oldies. Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't... It, to me, it it doesn't feel as though Melo's time there was, was just enough to retire that jersey. I don't know. He's beloved, I feel like, by the by Knicks fans generally, too. So was I, he? I think he was. I'm Well, okay. Yeah. Maybe I mean, when he end. came there... He yes. was for a good chunk of time. I mean, they did he have was, some success. They had the some success. Yeah, That's there. what Amari said. Yeah. They'll retire Amari, too. Yeah, and sure, Ray Felton. <laughs> I, look, the second part of Jack's question, yeah, I think if, if if Lee is right, if the Nuggets or the Knicks don't retire his jersey, then yeah, he probably would be the best player that I can think of who wouldn't have been recognized by a former team. Um, but I do think, I'm, I think one of those teams, if not both actually will, uh, put the put the number up in the uh, in the Raptors. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the Nuggets. Alex English, Fat Lever, David Thompson, Byron Beck, Dan Issel, and Dikembe Batumbo, who hmm. only played, I think, five seasons yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's not bad. Great not a bad case then. Great. Not, yeah, that's been a long time since they've retired a guy. Long Dikembe, the last guy. Yeah. Great question, Jack. Uh, we'll get to a whole lot more on the Beat Steppin podcast dropping later on Wednesday. All right, let's get to tweet of the night. Mm, tweet of the night. Wow. Twitter. All right, I mailed it in yesterday. Um, I gave you an Instagram story of the night, which was a great story, by the way. Uh, the disco bathroom that I experienced here in Toronto. But I thought, okay, look, Lee was going to do it, but I was like, I didn't really do it, so I'll do Tweet of the Night. I got a good one. Uh, Trey, you may want to go earmuffs, though, on this one. Although this could be your burner account, for all I know. Um, at Bulls Got Next, they went through all the emotions last night during that Lakers-Bulls game. <laughs> I'm going to read them in order. Started, uh, obviously, started well. I could easily pile up all the bookmark tweets I have of y'all disrespecting my Bulls and expose y'all. Ooh, calling out everybody there. All right, okay, things are probably still going well here. Maybe they're up 19 at this point. Y'all need to put some respect on my bulls. Last time I'm going to say it. Then things started to turn. WTFFF, how is this a 10-point game? A little bit later, 
F this team, dog. <laughs> a little bit later, I lost $1,000 plus in bets. I'm sick right now. <laughs> Final tweet from at BullsGotDex. Sorry ass franchise. I legit feel embarrassed every time I tell someone I'm a Bulls fan. Thanks for letting me down again. And then he adds the Chicago Bulls. I love that little touch. Oh, yeah, Apple's oh, got uh, Apple's got next getting tweeted tonight. Thanks to uh, Drew Unga for bringing that to my attention. Wow. Um, yep, great thread. Yeah, and let's actually spin right from that into the pick'em results because it was that game, and the Lakers were favored by seven and a half. They had to win by eight to win you guys down there in Atlanta all had the Lakers I was the only one taking the Bulls and my boy Hutch Hutchison for the win hitting some dumb threes late to cover for the Bulls what a dumb cover that was so the Bulls win in our pick'em because they covered so I get the victory you guys get the loss we're all a very sexy one and two for the month of November we're all tied up yeah that was uh like this is why betting is so, first off, fun, fun and also very <laughs> dumb because, yeah, I'm watching this game going nuts with my buddy Ken. He's watching with me, like, I'm telling him why, obviously, like, oh, yeah, I have the Bulls, they got to cover. And, like, the last minute of the game was, like, hilariously exciting because it's like, <laughs> we need to stop. Come on, Bulls, we need to stop. Come on, Hutchison, knock that three down. And amazingly, they, they got it done. And then you're, like, praying in the final 20 seconds when the Lakers are bringing up, you're like, don't foul, don't foul, don't foul, don't be a dummy. And they just let the clock run out. So, we're all one and two. What's tonight's game? A lot of games on tonight's test. We talked about it earlier. The Bucks are visiting the Clippers. Potential finals matchup right there, but no Kawhi Leonard. So mm. Who do you take with this Clippers team that is unbeaten at home? They beat everybody. They won by an average of over 10 points in those four games that they've played at home. But, uh, hey, it's a back-to-back, so Kawhi sitting. The Bucks are favored by two and a half points. Ooh. Uh, so it's a very, very, very tight line. Okay. Who wants to get started? Bucks haven't been going. I'll take the Bucks because of the Kawhi factor. Yeah, me too. I'm taking the Bucks. Mm, They're hitting a I bunch of threes. I want to take the Bucks, but the swerve mode has been working <laughs> yeah. the past two days. <laughs> Tass Swerve got a win with the Warriors. Skeets one got a cover with the Bulls. So I am going to go with the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, I'll, t- I'll take the uh, the Bucks. Oh, yeah, four man Ooh, taking the walk. Still out there. Swerve's still out there. You need a swerve. Anyone want to switch it up? Go ahead if you do. Uh, call me Trey Swervy because I'm hopping on the Clippers. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's worked out. I mean, you silly not to. All right. Yeah. So, see you fools tomorrow when I'm one and three. Yeah. No. Trey's got the Clippers, uh, and the rest of us have Milwaukee favored by two and a half. They got to win by three or more. All right. That's it for us today. Thanks for joining us, guys. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Dunks Inc. Don't forget to. Rate and review the No Dunks podcast on Apple. Five stars only, five stars only. Keep an eye and an ear out for the new Beach Steppin' podcast, our mailbag-only episode. We'll have that out later today. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, folks. And remember, if you ever walk on the beach with your socks, just throw them out. (laughs) Do not, don't bother washing them. Embrace the day, people.